Welcome to Star Talk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. Star Talk begins right now. Welcome to Star Talk Radio. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I'm an astrophysicist with the American Museum of Natural History here in New York City, where I also serve as director of the Hayden Planetarium. And today, the topic is the science of sex. And who else could I possibly bring in to talk about this but the one, the only, the inimitable Dr. Ruth. Dr. Ruth, welcome to Star Talk Radio. I love the way you said sex. Say that one more time. Sex. <laughs> now, we went to the Facebook page, and I got some questions from a few people, and some interesting ones here. I don't know if you know that I was an accessory to the demotion of Pluto from its planet status, and it's now just called a dwarf planet, okay? And so someone who wrote in was aware of this fact and had a question related to this. Uh, this is D. Havington Wilson. Concerning Pluto's planetary status, does size really matter? <laughs> oh. Wonderful question. Neil, tell all of your viewers size of that part of the male anatomy that we are talking about, the penis, size does not matter. A woman's vagina can accommodate all sizes. Now, if somebody has a minuscule one, that's a different story. That's another I story. I sent him to a urologist. But here's well, you what, have a whole set of, uh, you have a whole uh, have, network. Of course. Okay. But here's what I tell. There are men who are very concerned about it. And here's what I tell them to Preoccupied do. Preoccupied even. Yes. But here's what I tell them to do. Not in your studio, at home. Stand in front of a full-length mirror. Bring yourself to sexual satisfaction. Stand there and admire that erection. You will never worry about penis size again. Really? And women have to know never to say to somebody like you or anybody in your studio, my last lover had a bigger one. That would be terrible. That would be very destructive. So loud. So there's and a whole clear, psychology to this. Like, That's what it is. Loud and clear, it does not matter the size. Now, how about in the animal kingdom, typically when we want to justify certain behavior in society, we find some other animal out there that does what we want ourselves to do and say, see? So, for example, the bald eagle, they mate for life, right? They build a nest, huge, <laughs> they're like condos up there in the trees. I mean, I've seen some. Have you seen a bald eagle nest? It's huge. And it's so maternal, paternal. And they say, we should be doing that too. But then there are other animals that all they do is copulate with whoever is closest to them every day of their lives. And so, do you have any sense of whether humans are naturally monogamous? You are very fortunate that I'm not Sigmund Freud. <laughs> because right away I would say, I know where you are going with that question. No, I have, I'm not. How, I'm there. <laughs> however, I want to tell you something. I'm not a zoologist. Mm -hmm. My museum I, has zoologists, but all the animals they work on are dead. They're stuffed. <laughs> but I really don't have an answer. You see, somebody like me has to be able to have the courage to say, I don't know. Not enough I, people say they don't know. I know that in our culture... Most people want to have a significant other. Mm -hmm. They want to have somebody they can count on, even if it's not the same person throughout life. Serial monogamy in that limit, yes. Uh, but the idea that you 
walk around. I'm not telling you personally that people walk around and say, I wonder how that person would be in that position. I mean, it's hard day. sometimes not to think that, right? right? I mean, and it's okay. People walking by, you know. Half naked. <laughs> and it's okay to think, but don't touch. Yeah, yeah. Oh, look, advice. but don't touch. I, I see. Do. I see. Okay. So, so the fantasies are healthy. The fantasies are very helpful, especially in our world, because there are so many pressures on everybody. So to use fantasies is wonderful. Mm, okay. And is there anything in your life that has surprised you most about the human nature, either good or bad? Something that just came out of left field and you say, my gosh, that's shocking. Very, shocking good or shocking bad? Yeah, very good point. You're part of the psychology of people's, the dynamic of human emotion and interaction. But in my a sex therapist like myself, psychologist, psychosexual therapist, has to know one's limitations. If a person walks into my office and I, in that intake, in that first encounter, I realize they are depressed, man or woman. I don't give them a second appointment with me. I say, you have to go and see a psychiatrist. So it's very important that you know your own limitations when you are trying to help people. Um, maybe the funniest question where I was able to show my the philosophy of how I teach is a young man calling. I told it on David Letterman. A young man calling saying his girlfriend, love, they love each other. They're going to get married. They have terrific good sex. Uh, they don't want to be parents right now, so they are using what? The pill? Contraception. Okay. I was very happy. They love each other. They're going to get married. I said, what's your comment? And he said that his girlfriend likes to toss onion rings on his erect penis. I did what you are doing. I giggled. Because a good sex therapist has to visualize what people do. And it permitted me to state my philosophy. Anything to consenting adults do on their kitchen floor, living room couch, bedroom, it's perfectly all right. Including ring talks. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> okay. So here's the point. Mm -hmm. In the Talmud, in the Jewish tradition, it says, a lesson taught with humor is a lesson retained. I could never tell you a joke. I hear jokes every day. They go in one ear and out the other. But I can hear of a question or I can hear of a situation in my office that can make me laugh and that I can use as an educational moment. As a tool. To tease. Yes. Exactly. Before we take a break, here's some of the science behind human arousal, Charles. Uh-huh. I'm taking notes. <laughs> You're taking notes, okay? And when we're interested in someone, our pupils become dilated. And studies have confirmed that heterosexual men tend to rate women with wider pupils as more attractive and feminine. It's too bad we can't see other people's pupils on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> or see it in a dark club, right, uh -huh. where most of this action takes place. Oh, yeah. Now, on the other hand, heterosexual women only moderately preferred men with dilated pupils. Hmm. And so that means perhaps women like men to be interested, but not too excited, uh -huh. perhaps. Uh -huh. And also, arousal causes our brains to release, I've got it written here, norepinephrine. Norepinephrine. Okay, okay. <laughs> see, that's why I have you on the show. <laughs> <laughs> <Always> <laughs> Professor of astrophysics, Charles <laughs> Liu here. Uh, norepinephrine. There you go. Thank you. Which 
stimulates sweat glands. The human palm has 3,000 sweat glands per inch. So that sweaty palm feeling is real. And, you know, no wonder our hands get that way when we get close to someone we're interested in. Oh, yes. Well, when Star Talk Radio returns, we'll learn much more about arousal and the role it plays in sex. back with Star Talk Radio, and I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, and I'm here with Kristen Shaw. Such a pleasure to be here, Neil. I love having you on this, and I got you here because, not just because you're funny and I like having you around, but on this show of the science of sex, who knew that you had written a book called The Sexy Book of Sexy Sex? Yeah, I know a lot about sex. And that makes you an expert. It does. (laughs) It does. I I wouldn't trust I'm just saying, and you're here on the Botticelli uh, remake Mm -hmm. here, and and, and and Bud Show's got nothing on you with Venus oh, coming out of, the, out of the seashell. So uh, we also have clips from my interview with Mary Roach, who wrote the book Bonk. Bonk. Bonk, all about sex, the science of sex. Bonk, the sexiest word in the human language. Is it? Bonk. <laughs> so we've got those clips. We'll put them in. Uh, in the next clip, we talk about porn. And I always wondered, you know, I think guys look at porn more than women do. So what's up with that? Do you have any yeah. insight into that? I do, Neil, because I was just saying, I think that uh, because this Lord, this generation of kids can access porn so easily yeah, now. Yeah. And I'm worried. They don't have to walk into <sighs> peep, peep shows yeah. on 42nd Street. All they have to do is say, yes, I'm 18. And they've got all the porn right, they can handle. Right. But I'm worried that the girls who watch it are going to grow up being attracted to men without faces. Because the camera's always down here. Okay, is that a problem? There are plenty of guys attracted to women without reference to their faces. (laughs) All the the butter faces. So there's precedent for that, you know. (laughs) So so, uh, any other insight into porn? Well, you know, I think on... Uh, I, I do think that it's it, it's helpful, actually. Because the stereotype is like the teenage boy getting a hold of the magazine, yeah. you know? I mean, that's the... You don't think of the, 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 the teenage girl getting a hold of it. That's no. not... The same stereotype isn't there. It isn't there. It isn't there. Did you? Did you? I know. Well, boy, yeah. When I was... <laughs> this, is tr- this is trouble. When I was pretty young, I would say I was... A, You're still pretty young. Thank you. Okay. I can't remember the exact age, but I would say maybe like early high school, late junior high, I did come across a dirty video that I didn't know what it was. You um, see, guys would have been there at, by 12, okay? Yeah. <laughs> so you're saying, oh, in high school sometimes I came across a dirty video and couldn't identify it. I know. It's and like, I, it's, it was like hot nights on the beach. And okay. I was like, what is this? Is this a new police academy? <laughs> you know, and I like popped it in and I was like, oh, oh. I like saw two guys and they were like double teaming a lady. Right. And it was the first time I'd seen sex. And that image is like, branded in my brain. Uh-huh. If I meet those actors, I mean, they'll be a lot older, but I'll be like, I saw you guys. I saw you guys. And I know what you did on that hot summer night. <laughs> no, where wow. you were. I'll never forget. I'll never forget. Uh, how's your butt? Is your mole still there? <laughs> I, I know who you are. You know. How's your butt? Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it was, it's so jarring. I mean, it's yeah. really. If you never see it, right? Yeah. Right, right. But I do think for old. I and don't, that messed you up for life. 
No, I was pretty healthy about it, I guess. But I think it's good when people watch porn, like people who are in a relationship or whatever, if you do want to watch it from time and again. You get you some ideas. You get some ideas and it's fun, but you don't want to you don't want to do it too much. Just like you don't want to do one thing in sex too much because mm-hmm. it kind of gets gross. Okay. You got to shake it up with sex and with porn. <laughs> a little porn here, a little porn well, how there. How about romance? How about romance? I don't like romance. You, but what kind no, of girl are you? I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Romance, Dr. Ruth was 100% right. She was talking about, you know, the men who take the Viagra and are ready to do it, but they've ignored their wife. Right, right. They walk past the bouquet of roses right. and past the box of chocolates. Yeah. And, they, and, they're, and they've got their, their divining rod ready to find its target. Yeah. And all the romance is gone. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Yeah, romance only makes sex hotter. And I, and I think that you're dumb not to think so. And they said you're just a guy not to think so. I guess so. But I mean, if on an emotional level, if you're connecting romantically, the woman is going to want to give so much more back in a way. And guys are just idiots about this. Well, they got to smarten up. Smarten up, guys. Smarten <laughs> up. Let's go to my next clip with Mary Roach. She was yeah. kind enough to visit me in my office at the Hidden Planetarium. That's huge. How'd you even get I know. Her? It was fun. It was fun. And I pulled out my trusty microphone. And let's talk about arousal and the role of pornography. Okay. Usually what's going on with the scientists in the white coats and the people having sex, it's one person and a finger or a vibrator. I mean, if you're studying oh. arousal and orgasm, you don't need two people. Okay. So just for simplicity's sake, mm-hmm. just you have one person come okay. in and whether they're in an MRI or you're whatever, you're, you're rigging them up for, for measurement, it's, it's simpler to establish. So it's really just the o- autonomic response. So, so it's not the arousal triggered by another person. It's, it assumes you could do it yourself or that a machine right. can and do it to you. Right, and sometimes they show, um, they'll show... Pictures. Yes, they call it visual erotic stimulation. It's porn. <laughs> V-E-S. Get that in one <laughs> syllable. Porn. Yeah. Okay. So they'll show snippets. And I, I okay, so you- thought there was a special educational scientific research porn supply house. I said, where do you get these films? And she looked at me like... Of course, you get them at the porn shop. Yeah, the porn shop, on the corner porn shop. Yeah. yeah, there's not a special medical version. I have a prescription I for. I, I did. I thought it was like a special, somehow sanitized, erotic, scientific video. But no. Is there an understanding of why women are perfectly arousable with softcore porn in ways that a man might require hardcore porn? Do they look at sex differences among they arousal? Well, you know, this is kind of counterintuitive, but what they found, surprisingly, that men were aroused by porn that fit their sexual orientation. Like, they weren't aroused by gay or if there are animals involved or whatever. They were aroused by men and women having sex or women and women because there's two naked women. Right. But the women responded to Anything. The entire spectrum. The entire spectrum. Animals. Anything. You name it. They responded in terms of the measurement. Yeah, not what they would blood. say, but what the, yeah. how the body was reacting. Vaginal blood flow. Because they can't you, say. You, well, or they just didn't pick up on it. Like, either they were in denial or they were so subtle that they weren't picking up on it. But physiologically, they responded to everything. They used, I think, some images of bonobo monkeys. Anything. Anything will Which turn is, a woman And on. no one thinks that. People think of, you know, men as being visually stimulated and women as just could care less. But if you asked the women, they wouldn't necessarily say that. Uh, they, I mean, they might say that didn't do anything for me. But they're... We have electrodes that say otherwise. Their, their vaginas were saying otherwise. <laughs> you're, you're, you're <laughs> and this is also, there's a disconnect with women between the 
vagina, the body, and the brain. Like Viagra actually does, quote unquote, work on women. It does increase vaginal blood flow, but the women don't pick up on it. They don't feel aroused. It doesn't change it doesn't the urge. Change the, no, no. It does have an effect, but it doesn't do what it's supposed to do, which is make them feeling like they want to have sex. Right. So it, so it doesn't affect the libido. It doesn't the affect the libido. So that is an interesting disconnect that isn't there with men so much. And I asked a researcher, like, well, why, why is that? She said, well, it could be just because if you're a man, you know, and you have an erection, it's kind of hard to ignore. <laughs> and you're a woman, it's a little more subtle. Wow. So women are turned on by everything. Yeah, that's awesome. Even if you won't admit it to yourself. Well, I'll admit it. I've watched game porn, and I really like it. Really? Yeah. Hey, yeah, guys. Do. Guys do it. Guys on well, guys. Well, two guys. But Four two guys in a train. <laughs> they can do that. Okay, and four they women. They do a lot of stuff. Well, but, but, but what Mary Roach was saying is it's, it's animals. animals Bonobo's monkeys are incredible. Too. They should do a whole segment on them. The, they, they just like it. Yeah, they just like, they'll hump you to say hello. <laughs> They're amazing. (laughs) And they're very close genetically to us. (laughs) So maybe we're in denial of true inner urges. Maybe. You know, usually to find monogamous other animals, we have to like find tree shrews or something or bald eagles, but not the very closest genetic (laughs) identity to us. The Bonobo chimps. Bonobo chimps. So what do you know about bonobos? Did you like see the Nature Channel? Oh, yeah. Well, I researched them for the book. We have a section... We have a section in the book about them because in your they're book, so the sexy. Book of sexy. Sex. Yeah, we have a, a section about our. Cause we what, what we did is we went into the jungle and we lived with the bonobos. <laughs> so we learned our language. So sex them. is there is there is their vehicle mm-hmm, to, to communicate. communicate ideas and thoughts. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so are you in denial of this result? No, 100% I agree. I you're, you're on it. Well, because women too, I think, well, I don't know, I, I, you know, because the biggest sexual organ, of course, is the brain. And so it's it's silly to That's say what that. women tell each other, right? Oh. A guy would never say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's well known the guy's brain ceases functioning. <laughs> that is, that well, is like, clear. All right? me, well, let's just say for today that the, the, the brain is, is the man's smallest woman. sexual yeah. organ, okay? It plays no role. Yeah. <laughs> but, but we have fantasies, and also we have all our smut novels, too. You can't forget those. Oh, like right. on the chain, like that's how I learned about sex, too, was I, I would just flip to page 60 and page 180 of the, all those all Harlequin romance. The two pages. That's when they started it. Um, that's when they started. Then they had a fight and then, ah, oh, made it up. But, <laughs> Makeup sex, right? Mm-hmm, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. I knew a woman who was a romance novelist. It was. Yeah. I was kind of scared to walk by her. Why? Well, because, you know, you just never know what's going on in their head. Oh, well, yeah. what's going on in her head is going on in all our heads. <laughs> When we come back, more of the science of sex with Christian Shaw and my clips with the author Mary Roach. You're listening to Star Talk Radio. See you in a moment. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you, like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the US on Saturday and 50% 
on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx ground is faster to more locations than UPS ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any of you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. We're back on Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson with Kristen Shaw. Hello. Hello. And we've also got clips of my interview with Mary Roach. Uh, she had come to my office, pulled out my microphone, and she did some What's crazy things. pulled out. <laughs> <laughs> no, pulling out and whipping out are two different things. So okay. you get your I'm vocabulary. Not, I pulled out all the stuff. Great. So Mary Roach wrote a whole book on this science of sex and all the research that had ever been done. Let's did you know that she not only did research on all the science that was done in sex, she was her own subject. Really? She was just masturbating like crazy while she wrote? That's what I did. I'd be like, (laughs) reward! Let's find out about our next clip of Mary Roach telling us about sex in the lab. I didn't set out to do this with the book. I was thinking, well, I'm a journalist. I'll be in the room with a notepad, and there'll be a couple, and the researcher, and I'll just be, oh, don't mind me. And don't mind me as I watch you have sex. Yeah, and yes. the, and the, and, but the researchers, of course, would say, are you kidding me? You can't be in the room. First of all, you might influence the experiment. Second, nobody wants to have you there, and you're going to— Plus, you're not wearing a white lab coat. You're not wearing—yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yes. And then invariably, they'd go, I know you can be the subject. And there was one study where uh, my poor husband got dragged into the fray. You and your husband went into the lab, yeah, observed. Well, by a lab-coded scientist. Lab-coded scientist. Wow. Dr. Dang. Wait, wait. There's a doctor you know, named Dr. Dang? Yeah, yeah, Dr. Well, so, wait, 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 wait. Not <laughs> wait, Dr. Dong. I know, no. But wait, you're telling me <laughs> that someone by the name of Dr. Dang convinced you and your husband to have sex in his lab while he's watching with his lab coat? Precisely. Okay. It's published in The Lancet, I will have you know, Buster. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> He's a scientist. He's a, I'm <laughs> okay. a scientist. So how'd so, you do? Did they well, find, what'd you um, learn you about know, yourself? Obviously, the burden of performance was on my husband, Ed. And Ed did very, very well indeed. Viagra helps. They gave, well, it, well here, I'll, let me tell you what it was. It's, it's this four-dimensional ultrasound moving picture image that they were trying to see if that would work. They've done these they're really cool images. So you could, there's one, on, you can go online and you can see like, a puckering lip or an erecting penis is that's his previous one that he had done and he was trying to do a four-dimensional moving ultrasound image of genitals having sex so four-dimensional would be you have all the spatial information and a time information exactly Mm -hmm. the fourth dimension being time so it's a a 3d movie Mm -hmm. in ultrasound Mm -hmm. 
you know, I've seen the image. It's on the internet. Your it's vagina's a, on the internet? It's in ultrasound. It doesn't, it's a good grainy, it's the most G-rated, I bet someone colored it in <laughs> and made it, like, real. All right, go on. Oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> All right. But anyway, it was an interesting experience in that it... Uh, Did you learn anything about no, yourself? No, I didn't learn anything about myself. It felt less like sex than, like, some awkward thing that you have done at the hospital. You know, I'm wearing the little dorky hospital Johnny with the open back, pair of socks, and, and there's equipment everywhere. So it was a very sanitized, perfunctory and sanitized version of sex. I got yeah. you. Really not the kind of sex you would want to be having. But that means you're living your books. This is extraordinary. Well, I, I'd try. This is the journalist well, here, who gets here, here the story who, if I got to have sex, I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, I have to have sex. And Damn it. Ultrasound. I got to have sex for this one. I took one for the reader. I did. <laughs> wow. You got to do the research. Oh, man, that sounds terrible. I hope she had a vibrator at least. Well, no, she had her husband. And apparently she said he did fine. Gave him some Viagra. It was working. Yeah, but did she enjoy it? I mean, no. No, she didn't because it didn't have the flowers. Like you said. But it's interesting. Earlier we were talking about sort of monogamy. And I think about, you know, how do you know if we're monogamous? I mean, when you walk down the street, do you feel, yeah, is that how you feel too? No. But also, don't men want to spread their seed? Perhaps. But I'm saying the Bonobos are not buying each other flowers. That's right. One is not coming up with the daisy. They're just doing it. I don't know. For me, maybe I'm special. But when I met my guy, it was just like... (laughs) He was game over for everybody. He's the best one. Your guy here who you wrote the book with. Yeah. I'm very lucky, and it doesn't happen to everybody. Right, right. Also, I think if you do find someone, it's something you work on, right, I guess? Yeah, it's work. It's always work. I don't know. What if you're in love with your lady? Yeah, no, it worked. I mean, but maybe you want to get with other ladies? Well, so we married 25 years. We got kids. There's a whole world going on there. And what's interesting, you walk by the clubs, and they're all like the 20-somethings, not married, no kids, Mm -hmm. all going in there trying to find the love of their life. Right. Right. And then there's a whole other line of the married people trying to (laughs) find people out. It's an interesting opposite thing. I wonder if the line of married people maybe settled when they shouldn't have. Oh. Like, I think you have to really um, know. Yeah. But I'm also lucky in that. And when I was single, which was 30 years of my life, and anyone brought up their romantic relationships, I was like, oh, oh, shut up! That's not real! You know, so I'm sure people are like puking. Well, we have no training home. for what happens after you're married. Because all the fairy tales say they lived happily ever after. Right. The story's only up until they get married. Yeah, because then it's sheer bliss, right? That's the assumption, but there's no data. It's not from the fairy tales. And what was your state of mind writing this? Like, were you aroused by doing this? Um, no, because, like, the Casey Anthony trial was going on at the same time. <laughs> Nobody and said you got to watch the TV. The Amanda Knox trial, so I was just, like, really distracted. <laughs> Nobody says you got to watch TV at all. You just put yourself in a room and just write. That's oh, is that sure. how it works? Yeah. That sounds magical. <laughs> you just go in a room and it all just flows out of you because you're an astrophysicist. There it is. <laughs> when we come back with Star Talk Radio, more on our show dedicated to the science of sex. Wow! That's not a good sound. You're 
We're back on Star Talk Radio. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, Kristen Shaw. Hello, sir. Am I pronouncing that right? Shaw. 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 There you go. The longer you can make it, the better. I gotcha. And in these segments, we've been replaying my audio clips of my interview with Mary Roach, who wrote the book Bonk, all about the research into sex over the decades and over the centuries. Really? It's amazing. She researched for centuries? (laughs) She's 300 years old. So apparently, experiments have been done for quite some time just to understand what are the secrets to good sex, for example. Let's find out what Mary Roach has to say about the secret to good sex. Okay. It's one thing to have all these lab-coded people observe others stimulating themselves or having sex. That's one thing. Right. So another thing, if the fruits of all this research could be put into a volume that would advise people of how to have better sex. Right. A manual. Give me a recipe so we go home, we can make it even better. Right. Have anybody done this? Yes. Masters and Johnson actually did a study where they had straight couples, gay couples, long-time couples, and couples who had just met. And they all looked at what they were doing, whether they had orgasm, how easily they had orgasm, etc. And they came to some conclusions and... What was interesting was that the long-term couples were having the best sex, and the reason was that they were... They knew each other's spots. Yeah, well, they were also living in the moment, in that they weren't just sort of going like, well... You know, first I got to do this to her, and then I got to diddle that for a little while, and then I do this, and that ought to do it. They were losing. Diddle them. that for a while. It wasn't, it wasn't like there was. But I was going to say the gay couples were having better sex than the straight because the straight couples, like the guy, would be going, "Oh, I know she likes. Me. I'll do this. And I'll do that. That ought to do it." It was formulaic sex, but the gay couples and the long-term gay couples in particular would take their time and they were kind of focused on the other person's responses. They were very much kind of losing themselves in it and not just going through the motions. So all those things you see on Cosmo, these 10 tips to drive him wild. No, it's really more just like. Cosmo the magazine. The, yeah, you say Cosmo magazine. around me, I'm thinking Cosmos the universe, so I have to specify. Oh, sorry, yeah. Cosmopolitan <laughs> no, yes. the magazine, where every issue is Had, about yeah. diet, sex, and how to be better in bed with your boyfriend. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So they were finding that secret little techniques and tips was not the answer. It was more about losing yourself in the moment and just going with it and focusing on the other person's arousal. That was arousing for people. Mm. Not just focusing on yourself. It sounds really hokey, but kind of being one organism and or being yeah. sensitive. Yeah. That's being, another word but for being this. Being tuned isn't it? into the other person's responses and not just That's being kind sensitive. Kind of like going, okay, now it's your turn, now it's my turn, that kind of yeah. So anyway, that was... That so you're saying a sensitive thing. man is... Yes, a sensitive man is a good thing. <laughs> a sensitive woman. It went both ways, because mm-hmm. some of the women were really bad at pleasuring the men. And this is the 70s. Presumably, women have learned a lot more. The homosexual couples had gender advantage. In other words, I know it's good. feels good for me. It feels good for you. So got the same organs. Got the same organs. So they had that advantage going for them. Same organs. Yeah. You know exactly what's going on. Yeah. You know. Reach around. <laughs> right? So, did you have tips of your own in your book, the sexy book of sexy sex, that you put in here? For yeah. People to- one of them was to go to the slow zone. And that might have been what Mary was talking about a little bit, too, about being in the moment. 
and just so not no like a wham bam thinking that. Which yeah. I thought people sometimes there's a time and a place for quickies. Sometimes quickies are really, really exciting. Yeah. Yeah, you're running late. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> it's the running late sex, right? Yeah. But the long and slow, you're. you're oh cool. yeah, we talk like a week. Um, just put some locks on the doors. So um. you know. No, I. <laughs> Again, this is a joke book. Oh, right. Um, <laughs> to keep reminding myself. So, so this is not a documentary of no, you know, this right. right. This is a joke. <laughs> These are yes. all jokes. Yes. Oh, but we do. Oh, I can't even do it. We had some sex toys. They're really great. Okay. <laughs> you have to get the book. You have to out. buy the book or, you know, borrow it. Mm -hmm. And Mary Roach's book, Bonk, that's been out for a while. How do you it's, spell it's that? Bonk, B-O-N-K, exclamation point. Okay, sometimes I'm hearing bonk. Or no, no, not bonk, it's bonk. And, of course, Dr. Ruth has a book out. Uh, it's all about a woman to understand her own body and sexuality. And I've kept thinking guys should read that just so we get secret access to that information. Yeah, it shouldn't be, be secret. It shouldn't be. Here's a bit of sexual trivia for my fellow math geeks. When a man ejaculates, 120 million sperm travel through the vas deferens at an average of 28 miles per hour. Wow. But did you know that pigs ejaculate many times more sperm than that? No, no, I don't know that, and I'm not going to ask why you know that. <laughs> Charles, professor of astrophysics. <laughs> but once they're transported out of the penal shaft, they slow down to 0.0011 miles per hour. Oh, man. Man, yeah. So that's, that's why just... we need rocket boost. <laughs> when Star Talk returns, we'll end our show on the science of sex by featuring more of my interview with the sex therapist, Dr. Ruth Ristheimer. Welcome back to Star Talk Radio. You've been listening to The Sex Show featuring Mary Roach, Dr. Ruth, my comedian co host Kristen Shaw, and right with me now is Charles Liu. Hey, Neil. Yeah, he's professor of astrophysics, but he should be professor of everything. <laughs> you know, scientists once theorized that a deeper male voice was correlated with better sperm quality. Oh, well, that explains a lot. <laughs> Hey, I've got three kids, man. Did you sing baritone or something in some quartet? Yes, and bass. And bass. Yes. A recently published study found that higher levels of testosterone, which leads to deeper voices, can also impair sperm production. Uh-oh. So while women tend to be more attractive to voices on the very white end of the spectrum, yeah. that may be because of other high testosterone qualities, like greater strength and overall physical dominance. Oh. There you go. Well, okay. I don't have to worry about hiding my voice then. <laughs> no, that's why the skinny guy with the deep voice is so fun to watch. That's true. Right. That's true. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I am that guy. <laughs> in, in the last segment of the show, let's hear what Dr. Ruth thinks about the more out-of-this-world aspects of sex. What is this fascination we have in our films where we show other alien creatures and, like, the men want to have sex with them? <laughs> like Captain Kirk. There'd be some blue alien, and he's got action in every galaxy. But is, is the it, blue alien a male or a female? Well, it's a female. Well, apparently, these aliens have males and females, and these... It doesn't matter to me. 
I tell you why. You're cool with alien sex. <laughs> I, I don't want to engage with alien sex. However, anybody who watches your program... She said it here first. She doesn't want it. Uh, okay. That's true. But if that's what helps them not to worry about the stock market, if they can engage in some fantasy, and I don't care if they... These are competing me. emotional forces in the world. Absolutely. Yeah. If they can use an alien, I can think of that... Uh, what was the little one? Steve Spielberg's... Oh, oh uh, E.T. Uh, yeah. E.T. If E.T. would be a grown-up, then I could see that I could go for a walk with him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but a grown-up. I think you're actually about the same height. I mean, <laughs> E.T., is that why you're saying? <laughs> uh, you know, we have people trying to commercialize access to space. And you go into orbit the Earth. You have, first, you have great views. You're also in zero-G. You're floating. So if you had the opportunity to have zero-G sex, would you? I have always asked the question, do these people in outer space, some of them were couples, were they able to have sex or not? Were they? I think the answer is yes to that. Then I'll go. Americans won't admit to it. Then I'll go. Oh, so it's been done. You. <laughs> but you have to get permission from your wife. I'm a widow, so I can so give the permission. <laughs> Ask permission from your wife, we go to space. <laughs> <laughs> My first date in space. <laughs> now, you are involved in talking also about the stars. Yeah, right? yeah. Heavenly so, bodies of another sort. Yes. So you have to help me teach everybody. It's wonderful to engage in that activity while gazing at the stars. Make sure there's no police car next to you <laughs> in the privacy. But there is nothing better than to do it Outside, Outside, with the stars twinkling. Under the stars. Under the stars, in privacy. On the porch or wherever you can find privacy. So the ideal case would be a bedroom with a ceiling that opens. That, that's a brilliant <laughs> idea. That's a brilliant I, I, idea. I, I, All I of your viewers are going to want to that. Yeah, next house I design, that's what it's going to be. And I quickly have to tell this story. Ten years ago, I edited a volume of Natural History magazine called City of Stars. And it was about all the ways that New York City, which you wouldn't normally think would conjure images of the universe, it was, a, it was an accounting of all the ways that it can and does. And in fact, it's the first, it contained the first photo of Manhattan Henge, where the sun sets mm -hmm. on the grid of Manhattan. And it's very beautiful. And you were kind enough to contribute a piece at the end of this volume as one of the prominent New Yorkers just to comment on the universe in the city. And uh, I don't know if you remember it. And what you said was, from where you live, you, you can't see the night sky, but you do see the George Washington Bridge. And at night, when it is lit, those lights become your galaxy. That's very true. And I've not forgotten And I have that. to tell you something interesting, because there's now the play about me. And in that play, I remember... Wait, there's a play? Did yes. I miss this? Yes. The play is called... Oh, you got wine, Dr. you got a play, Dr. Ruth you got all a the way. book. What? Listen to that. In that play, I recount, and uh, Deborah Jo Rapp is playing me, and I tell of a children's song from Germany before the Nazis, while I was living there for ten and a half years. And that song is all about the stars. So I'm going to get you the translation of that song. It's all it. about, do you know how many stars are twinkling in the sky? I would, I would love it. You and there's, it. there's a famous quote from Oscar Wilde where he said, we're all in the gutter, but some of us are looking up to the stars. 
oh boy, that's the two of us. <laughs> I, do, I like to look up I'm in the I'm taking you into space, window. girl. All right. This has been Dr. Ruth Westheimer, and she books Sexually Speaking, what every woman, I'm going to put a little insert here, say, and man yes. needs to know about the woman, uh, sexual health. And Ruth, it's been an honor and a pleasure to have you on Star Talk Radio. Thank you so much. Okay. I'll come to the museum with my grandchildren. You give me a call. My, my universe you, is your universe. Oh, I like that. You're going to show me the stars. I will show you more than the stars. And the Milky Way. And the Milky Way. All right. More than the stars. I will show you. Did you hear that? <laughs> <laughs> well, the universe has comets and, and asteroids and gas clouds and, and the edge of the universe itself. Thank I'll you save so it much. for you. Thank you. You've been listening to Star Talk Radio. As always, keep looking up. Ah!